Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome back to another spooky episode of Dunzo. I am... I'm more, I'm going to be honest, I'm more excited about this spooky episode than I have been so far. I am for many, many reasons. For one thing, I am joined by true friend of the pod, Vanessa Cordero. Vanessa, how are you? Hi, I was very tired at the end of a very long work day, but I have all my energy back. Um, I'm on a diet Coke high. We started talking about this a little bit Mm -hmm. and I'm back. I'm back, baby. (laughs) I am... I'm so happy that you're here. For one thing, I love talking about movies and TV with you already. Oh. Like, I just feel like that's kind of our, like our vibe. It's our thing. It's our thing. And I, we haven't talked about a horror movie together. So this is a big deal for me. And especially this one. I'm so yeah. glad we like lines intersected on this <laughs> one. Um, because yes. I didn't know, I, I like horror movies, but I am also a chicken baby. So okay. I don't want, any demon or haunting movies even though I don't believe in any of it it's still too real because I was brought up Catholic and even though it's non-practicing it scars you for life I get it so I I don't need demons and then haunting like um the conjuring and all those no Mm -hmm. no ma'am what's your I don't need that what's your choice genre like your choice horror genre my choice horror genre would probably be like uh scream like it's like this yeah. new sort of like the the renaissance of horror where mm-hmm. it's still horror there's still scares but there's like a certain amount of humor right and kind of like a, a smart type of snappy humor in it um or what we did what we're covering today like yeah a true 80s camp. camp yeah not just because it's set at camp but camp with a capital c <laughs> yes the john waters like john waters like magic wand sort of waved over the whole production kind of vibe yeah yes camp and camp honey campy uh, camp so we're talking about sleepaway camp today which oh, is God. you know for horror fans this is a movie that I think means a lot to a lot of people. It's one of those, like, I wrote in my notes that when I was a teenager and I discovered this movie, you know, I went through this whole period of, like, trying to watch, like, as many camp movies as I could, like, cult classic sort of, like, films that I thought would make me cool. I was like, this is a cult classic and people like it, so I have to see it. You know what I mean? You go through that phase as, as, like, a young person and this was one of those movies that I always read stuff about and people saying that it had this crazy ending that you wouldn't believe and blah, blah, blah. And after I saw it, I was just like, I feel like I am officially a part of a, a true cult of people that have seen mm-hmm. this movie. It's like there's before and after seeing the end of this movie. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It is like we were saying a little bit before we started recording, it is probably one of if not the most truly shocking endings like you you cannot see this coming no 
if you do, then uh, start an eight, start a nine hundred psychic line. Right. If you can see this coming, because I consider myself a pretty savvy movie watcher, film yeah. watcher, and I can usually suss out if not exactly what's going to happen. Like, oh, you can kind of see where this is heading. And you might see shades of what's happening. You might get hints of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think anybody saw that ending, saw this ending coming. No, and I'm going to say, before we start, I did want to make a point to say this, that you guys will message me all the time and say, like, I've never even seen this movie, but I love the I love the episode. Or, like, I, I don't even watch whatever, but I like the episode. I really advise you not to listen to this if you've never seen the movie. I really do. And I'm being 100% yeah, serious. Yeah. It's on Amazon right now. So if mm -hmm. you have Amazon Prime or if you have a password you can borrow, this is when you call in that favor. It's yeah. on right now. It's so, it's such a good, bad movie. Yes. And if you watch it the first time and you kind of get the like, oh my God, of it all. Mm -hmm. And then you watch it again and you start to see how many layers there mm -hmm. are to the movie whether it's intentional or not i'm not sure yes but there's there's a lot to this movie i think but see that to me is all the stuff like everybody has theories as to what is purposeful in this movie and what isn't purposeful and i know the the director of the movie has been asked for years like what was supposed to, you know what did all this mean and did this mean a thing and he's just sort of like head scratchy about it but it's like the more you watch it it's like these things have to be rooted in something mm -hmm. it's just so layered I don't I, I every time I've ever seen it I'm always like trying to figure it out and I, I don't know I think that that's one of the greatest things about it is that it is a it's technically a, a, a terrible, it's a bad movie. Like it's poorly acted. The budget is $2, but it, at the same time, it's great. And it's like, it's smart and it's, it's like creative and it's so well executed on a shoestring yeah. budget, you know, like there's so much to love about it. And once you watch it and you kind of get over the, like, you enjoy like the camp campiness of it. Mm-hmm. And you enjoy it in that way. When you watch it again, or when you kind of revisit it, you can start to see all these other things, like this, how much the setting, what does was or was it not intentional? Mm -hmm. um, how even like I noticed something about costumes, and you just you see themes everywhere. And if it was intentional, the director's a fucking genius. I know. I know. <laughs> If it's not, if it truly wasn't intentional, it is the most serendipitous yeah. like, chain of events because it ended up accidentally. I mean, okay, I told Troy this before we started recording. I watched it with my boy. My boyfriend was the one who introduced me to this movie a couple in the last couple of years. So I had heard of it, that it had a twist ending, but I didn't know what the twist ending was. I saw the iconic scene that is Troy's background right now countless times like if you've been on the internet in any capacity you've seen that still from the movie yeah. um but he is a research scientist and he happens to have a special interest in gender identity theory so that right away should 
kind of set you up for what's about like the ride we're about to go on yeah or what are you talking about a campy 80s horror movie set in summer camp and gender identity theory yeah as the genius troy said buckle your wigs <laughs> clip them down so girls snap them down Seriously. put an extra yeah put in an extra couple snaps because it's gonna blow your mind yeah yeah oh yeah. okay so tell me your experience with seeing this movie for the first time like did you like it or were you like what the fuck did I just watch like what how did you feel about it I loved it okay good because I do love this genre and I enjoyed just how bad it was it was like special effects that don't hold up over Mm -hmm. time even um like the print of the film that we see now is different than the original. It's much more cleaned up. And when you watch it on television screens that weren't invented when this was filmed, right. you're, you're literally seeing things that you weren't supposed to see. There's a scene we'll get to where you see something in silhouette and in the current print that's out, you actually see the person who was standing there and being filmed and it's not the person it's supposed to be yeah and if you if you see it now without knowing that you think like wait a minute they just revealed the killer by accident and they didn't because it's not the right actor it's a it's a different actor standing in for someone else it's so jarring yeah (laughs) and by the time we got to like you i mean you're hit there's like okay like i mean how James Earl Jones's dad is in this. <laughs> no. um, like pedophilia as a comedic, lighthearted plot point. Yeah. Um, and the opening shirt. of the movie, by the way. Yeah, the opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's like, um, like, like a psycho, very like, um, what's it called? Um, it, oh God. Uh, like a psycho mom character yes (laughs) where she's truly unhinged and you have to wonder and this is like in the first 10 minutes of the movie where you have to you ask yourself like is this supposed to be like this like this Mm -hmm. is the take they went like this is what they wanted right and it's one of those things that in this like multiple watchings you realize like oh yeah that's exactly how it had to happen yeah that's that's exactly what they wanted because just wait um and then we got like towards the ending of the movie and when the reveal happened my boyfriend did not prep me for it he just kind of like that he just like turned and watched with like big eyes just watched my reaction to it (laughs) that's what i always do the face that she's making in your background that's my face when i was watching the movie (laughs) and it was like a horror like wait what's happening wait wait what what why is her face like that what yes wait what yeah yeah and you're you're right about the characters like you that's such you the way that you put it is perfect because when you watch the movie for the first time you do sort of go through this thing of like is this supposed to be this way or is she supposed to be is is she just a terrible actor is she weird are all these people acting really bad or am I missing something but then when you watch it a few times, it's true. You are sort of like, this is all exactly how it should be. And 
you learn to appreciate the weirdness of the acting choices specifically from the mom who is just you know like I've read that like that the opening of the movie when they um when she comes down the stairs and she's like Angela Ricky you know like that was the (laughs) that was the first scene that they filmed with her And it was one of the first scenes that they filmed of the movie and they didn't know that she was going to go full wackadoo bananas. So they were like, are like, should we be acting weird like this? Like <laughs> didn't know she was going to do that. Nobody on set knew she was going to choose to make the mom this like Looney Tunes batshit woman. Oh yeah. Nobody knew yeah. why, but they were like, we love it. You know, and it's so great. Oh, Angela. Um, can I tell you that I I can't remember I must I think I was trying to just get the actors names for my notes like trying to like make sure I had the actors real names right. when I looked up Mel who was the owner of the camp mm-hmm. he went to Yale School of Drama really uh-huh and had like a background like a Broadway or like at least who was an on-stage actor. So he was like an actor with a capital A actor. What? Yes. I mean, I guess he is sort of, he is sort of like theatrical in the sense that he's very, he acts with his face. Yeah. Do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you see him and he he's like, he could be like Mel from Mel's Diner. If yes. anybody's old enough to get that reference or had Nick at night or something and can get yeah. that reference. So he's he he's not a refined looking actor. The performance he gives gives no hint of like a you know an a stage actor. But then I guess like it's like it's again like it's on rewatches where you realize like he has to chew up the scenery like that because yeah. it's just adding to this like insanity that's going on in this camp and that you should be feeling like it that crazy kind of off kilter feeling that starts to happen like that's Mm -hmm. it's got to be intentional and if it's not then this is why the movie is so great right (laughs) yeah even like just it's a force within itself that it makes you feel like you have like you're off center like you, you've been yes. somehow like you've been tilted on your access is tilted while you're watching this movie and, and you it affects have to accept it it affects every single person who watches it in that exact same way the first time they see it where they feel a little bit off they feel a little bit confused thoroughly enjoying it um yes like laughing along but also laughing at and just shocked to the marrow of your bone as i always say like shocked <laughs> in a way that like really sticks with you. Like, I don't really, I can remember movies that have impacted me in my life that had endings where I was like, oh, wow, that like a memento moment or something where I'm like, wow, like, you know, that was, that was really well thought out and really amazing. But nothing really, nothing has ever made me feel like this. Like, I remember watching this for the first time and literally like physically like standing up. Like I stood up. I'll never forget it. I was watching it and I stood the fuck up because I didn't know what to do physically. I was like, I can't sit here. This is insane. I got to get up and walk towards the TV. (laughs) There's almost 
almost like a kind of discomfort that comes yes, with watching this movie. Very much. But it's not, it, and it's not like uncomfortable, like bridesmaids, uh, yes. like bridesmaids, like Kristen Wiig, a, a joke that's taken too far mm-hmm. for comedic effect. There's like, oh, something ain't right. Yes. And it's got me like a little bit weirded out. And it lingers. And, it, you kind of think like maybe it's the overacting, maybe it's mm-hmm. like the kind of the bad quality mm-hmm. of this movie that's making that's leaving you sort of like mm? right, <laughs> yeah. but it's not, it's just it's like the force of the movie, and that's the ride you have to take. And then yeah. all of a sudden, at the end, like it is, it's a stand up ending, yeah. Like if you don't stand up and walk towards the screen, or just stand up and just like look around like yeah wait like what the fuck just happened <laughs> like was i supposed to see that it almost feels yeah. like you've like opened up a door that you weren't supposed to open up or something yeah. you're like oh my god sorry yeah. like yeah. like your reaction whatever it is to you is physical you may get up you yeah. may cover your face i watched it with my best friend katie and i i she's a really big horror fan and that's like a thing that bonds us and I was like, I'm so excited to just see your face at the end of the movie. And she just screamed. She just, she yes. just sat on my couch and screamed for a really long time. And it was so I funny. Think, yeah. I think I like, I grabbed my boyfriend, <laughs> like I grabbed his arm and just like my mouth jaw dropped, <laughs> grabbed his arm and like looked at him and just went like, what? Yeah. yeah. But how? <laughs> explain this to me. Yeah. I guess I should give a quick little synopsis of like just generally what this movie yeah. is about. So this movie takes place at a summer camp in the 80s and it opens up with this family, this family that you're sort of not clear on how they're connected or how they know each other or like what's going on. And it's the mid mid 80s. So you're like, you know, there's two men and you're like, Oh, it, you know, it's just kind of like presented in a way that is confusing on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opens with these kids and they're hanging out with their dad on a boat and um, a boating accident happens at the beginning of the film where one of, where the dad ends up dead and you kind of are, you don't really know what happened. It's just sort of like an accident happens. He's dead. People are screaming. Yeah, there's a like, lot of screaming and then there's just like, bodies slowly floating by in the water mm-hmm. there's a ripped see... up vest and the, the kids yeah. are wearing the vest so you know that a kid got hurt you don't know who or what happened really right. and then it skips to these two teenagers named ricky and angela and they're getting ready to go to summer camp and the whole movie revolves around their time at the summer camp in new jersey by the way all of the kids in the movie are their accents are amazing. <laughs> hey, Angela, why are you so fucking weird for? Yeah. <laughs> you working with half a deck or something? Can I it's... tell you when when we get to her character, we can go more into her, but Judy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in my notes, I wrote Judy is Danielle Staub. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can't handle that. Is she not? Oh my God. She literally is Danielle grown up. Oh my God. 
appearance wise, oh. attitude wise, <laughs> stink eye wise. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, the kids all have such distinctive personalities. They're all so specific and like and memorable. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, while they're at this camp, people are mysteriously dying and they sort of lead you to believe that it's this kid Ricky who seems to have some rage issues. Ricky's always just <laughs> going fucking off on people. Yeah. Hey, you fucking big cocksucking piece of shit. I'll yes. kick your ass, you cocksucking son of a bitch. Go fuck your mom. He's like the best. He's so good at cussing. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that that was his audition. Really? That he, the audition was like, okay, so we want you to just scream and yell obscenities. And kind of like what, what he does in the movie, like they had him do that on tape for, uh, for his audition. He has one of my favorite lines in the history of a film, in the history of all film, where the kid says, eat shit and die, Ricky. And he goes, eat shit and, and live, Bill. My God, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God. Um, but yeah, so people mysteriously end up dying at this camp and you don't really know who's doing it, but you're led to believe that it's Ricky because he's always angry. And then, uh, and Angela is mostly mute she doesn't really talk and everybody at the camp thinks she's weird and they all bully her and all of these really strange things happen in this camp and at the end of the film mom this is it you can't go back now it's official if you want to fucking ruin this amazing experience for yourself and keep listening even though you've never seen the film fine i don't approve of it but do whatever you want this is the moment where you're about to be spoiled point of no return five four three two one at the end of the movie it's just we are it's discovered that Angela has been killing people at this camp the whole time and Angela when she was younger when the boat accident happened um is it that her brother Mm -hmm. died and then like well it's it's Angela and Peter are the two little kids on the boat and for the full Jersey connection, Peter was played, the young Peter was played by Mike, the situation's brother. Yes, he's so cute. Um, okay, so the two of them are on the boat and one of them dies and you think it's Peter because we have Angela in front of us. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that Angela died mm-hmm. and Ricky's mom took in Peter because his father was killed and there's no mom in the picture. It's never explained, but there's no mom in the picture. And there's like in a flashback, you see Peter's got his head all bandaged up. And she says that she's always wanted a little girl and she already has a boy. So two boys, no, that just won't do. No, that (laughs) won't do at all. She makes Peter grow up as Angela. She raises him as her Angela (laughs) what a pretty name all of a sudden like all these things start to fit into place that had happened earlier in the movie like Mm -hmm. that that opening sort of scene where she's sending them off to camp there's this weird discussion about their doctor's um physical like the physical exam that they have to take with them to camp and 
she's a doctor apparently. So she filled out their physicals, but she makes this weird big deal. Like, and don't tell anybody where you got them. No, that won't do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did it because you, you realize if they had gone to a real doctor or a regular doctor, they would have found out that Angela mm-hmm. was a boy. Right. Because what you see at the end, the reveal of how you find out that Angela is actually Peter is a full frontal dick shot. It is not like a, yeah, tis not a 13, 14 year old boy. It's a grown man. Right. It's a grown dick with the weirdest, like almost paper mache looking mask on. Right. Um, And they keep cutting back and forth between the actress who played Angela with her, uh, she's already got these big, beautiful eyes, big eyes bugging out and mouth open, like grotesquely open. And the mask was made, I guess, from her doing that face, but it's clearly a mask. It's it's the worst fucking special effects ever. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's just this like weird paper mache little girl head on a grown man's body with his like dick out. Right. And it lingers. The thing that makes it so eerie is that it lasts for a long, I mean, it feels like 10 minutes that it's just like. It's too long. It's, oh, it's, it's, too it's long. A, maybe a minute too long. And that's the thing that makes it so jarring is like, it doesn't like let up. It like yeah. forces you to look at it. And one of the yeah. craziest things about this movie is the, 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 the soundtrack is so like, the soundtrack is just instruments going, oh, wait really loud so when things like that happen it's like it's really intense but that's part of the whole experience where you have felt uncomfortable (laughs) in the movie the entire time and sometimes it's because of the overacting Mm -hmm. and the sort of almost uncomfortable factor that the the overacting is so big Mm -hmm. that there's almost like too much too much acting happening up on screen yes and then sometimes it's that weird shrill like dentist drill uh movie like a soundtrack yes (laughs) um and it all leads to this just like uncomfortable moment where uh I think this the backstory is that the person they got to just row like the the person they got to play the stunt dick was just (laughs) some some guy that was probably an extra who did not want his name in the credits. Like he, he, and then they've never found out who he is yeah. because he's so mortified and embarrassed. And another famous part is right before you get the reveal of the, you know, who of Angela's actual identity. If you look in the background of the shot, you can see the actor changing behind a sand dune. Oh can, yeah, I forgot about Like that. a person you can see that some, there's like some sort of action going on and you just maybe think like, oh, that's just a person on the beach. It's the actor you're about to see naked, taking his clothes off, getting ready to run into the shot. And didn't they get him like wasted? Yeah. They like got he got him hammered. <laughs> yeah, because it's the only way he'd do it. <clears throat> well, he just stood there drunk with his dick out for like seven straight minutes. Oh, it's so long and uncomfortable. And then you're uncomfortable because it's obviously an adult mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm but you're supposed to be looking at like a 13, 14 year old boy. Right. So, you know, so just like, do I look away? 
yeah is something else gonna happen yeah like is this the end of the film yeah and then it just turns lime green and it is the end of the film and and you just sat there in your living room probably next to a friend or something just like what what did i just watch what the fuck was that well now that we have officially spoiled it let's talk about what the fuck this movie means can we do that because i need to expel these thoughts like there's so many first of all if you read anything about sleepaway camp if you read any sort of like listicle or whatever sleepaway camp is known as one of the most queer horror movies Mm -hmm. of all time it's it's like very weirdly homoerotic sometimes and i've watched this movie enough times to like because when I first saw it, I was like, is this supposed to be homoerotic? Like, or am I just, is it just that I like, because I love like an 80s, like yes. camp counselor guy. That's like sort of my aesthetic as a kid that grew up watching horror movies. Like, I love a guy in like athletic shorts working at a camp that's like beautiful, you know? Right. Um, right. So I was like, am I supposed to be in love with all these men? Or is it like, what's happening when I was younger? And then it's like, no, you get older and you realize like, it's purposely homoerotic in ways sometimes that feel it almost feels like a parody of a gay porn film and a lot of people say that that it feels like it's at any moment it could turn into a gay porn that softball scene can we talk okay well i'll I'll back up like just a tiny bit and this is one of the things that my boyfriend kept texting me about like you seem to not be interested in this and i want to make sure that you like understand and explore this and i was like no no no, i got it i got it i'm saving it up i'm saving yes but the camp setting itself mm-hmm. is what there's so much weird it's not just sexualization it's hypersexualization right and the camp setting sets you up for that because most of camp is segregated boys and girls yes separate cabins separate sports separate activities and they don't always mingle together mm-hmm. so because it's not it's normal sort of and expected to have the boys and girls separated in camp, it kind of, it the, the gender roles become a major plot point totally. without you really noticing it. Because it's not out of the ordinary yeah. that the boys would be doing one thing and the girls would be doing another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so separating them to set up that hypersexualization you don't notice it and it doesn't feel like manipulated. It's just, it's the camp setting that yeah. so you, you know that they're going to be separated. So <laughs> in the very beginning, you do see, and I thought at, on, for the first viewing, you just think this is bad 80s clothes and hair. Right. And yes. Aha, yes. how funny. We're looking at something from the 80s. Look at those little wake me up before you go, go wham shorts. Yes. And then when you can watch it again, you realize like, wait, only the boys yeah. are in the super short shorts. There are so many midriff shirts, so many half shirts mm-hmm. on boys in this movie. Yeah. It's it's a Johnny Depp in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. But on everybody. Literally. Uh, half sexy uh, football jerseys on all the fellas. Yeah. Mesh tank tops and shirts on the fellas. Um, and then they're all in, uh, they all start playing softball. There's like a softball game that's going on. 
I fully expected it to just dissolve into a porn scene, like an yeah. orgy. Because it's the just, shorts are like, it's like, it's almost like Tiny doesn't even do them justice. They oh, are no, like, like- Balls are about to pop out of the bottom of these shorts. Yeah. And there's an I was looking. I mean, they're underage, but I was looking because <laughs> I was just like- it's Like what's happening? Wait, this is not safe for us to watch. Yes. Um, and the, the guys, they start doing like in the very beginning, it's sort of like, oh, it's just the typical like, what are you, chicken or something? Why don't mm-hmm. we make a bet? I'll bet you $5 our team wins. Right. But it starts to get like aggressive, like the, like the bad sportsmanship starts mm-hmm. to get aggressive. And it's not that they're acting it badly. It's that it's written that way. It has to be written that way that you almost feel that these guys are going to go at it. Yeah. They hate each other so much. And they're, it's like this weird sexual tension on the softball field. Um, and then there's a, another scene later where there's a fight at a, uh, a dance in like the mess hall. And it's just the boys start fighting and it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Literally. Like, little tornado on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just adolescent boy arms and legs. It's just adolescent boy limbs, limbs, limbs. And I I got so uncomfortable watching it. Like they're children and they're like, like almost like Greco-Roman wrestling. Yeah. For no reason. They just jump on a pile together. Yeah. They just all pile up on each other. And it's just this weird, like they're like half naked. I know. All up on each other. Are we supposed to be watching this? Like, this is... Well, then there's, like, the older guys. Yeah. The then there's, like, guys. the camp, you know, the counselors and, like, the older guys at camp that are, like, full-on, like, dazed and confused. But, like, if only the guys in that movie were in tiny... Like, it is... It's, it's like, honestly so hard to describe. And it's crazy because there's no... There's no like male gaze moment in this movie for Mm-mm. the girls. The, the women in this movie are not sexualized ever, uh-uh. really at all. Like even the the slutty girl Judy, who's supposed to be like the slutty villain, like you don't see any part of her body. I mean, she's in a bathing suit, but like it's not. She just so happens to be in a bathing suit. It's never like the camera painting up and down her body yeah. or and her body itself isn't like overly developed. She's right. She's a fairly average size. She looks like a young teen girl, but she's right. not being shown as like a vamp or anything. Totally. Like there's, yeah, no close up on the on the breasts or the butt or anything. Um, and there is just one moment where the like older t- uh, camp, older like campers, are trying to get the girls to go skinny dipping because they're like, "What do you want to do?" Oh God, yeah, like, you know, fifteen naked guys and five girls. Like they need more <laughs> girls. And they try to get these group of girls to go skinny dipping with them. And it's such a fast scene because they're like, come on, come skinny dipping with us. And the girls are just, no. Like, no. And that's it. <laughs> See, end of the scene. Yeah, and the girls go. And they're like, and you then- guys don't know how to have any fucking fun. Yeah, where in, in any other camp movie, that would have been the cue when like the 25-year-old playing the 13-year-old like yes. takes her top off. Absolutely. But the girls are just like, yeah, no, we're not doing this. Bye. Yeah. Uh, there's one girl that goes with one of my least favorite characters, Kenny. 
I think I called him Blue Oyster Cult Kenny because he had a Blue Oyster <laughs> Cult t-shirt. <laughs> He's the worst, the worst, um, like, horny teen boy yeah because he wants to get this girl alone and he gets her somehow gets her alone on in this canoe and then terrorizes her uh by like rocking the canoe back and forth and then tipping it over and she falls into the water and then he's like is that a snake i see oh i think that's a snapping turtle (laughs) so he he wants to get her alone and he gets it he gets what he wants but then he just like fucks with her until she literally swims away and she wants nothing to do with him. She just swims away from him. Don't you um, love though that she swims away? She's very blatantly gone. Like she yeah. swam away. And yeah. what's her name? Like Bridget or something? Some, yeah, I don't remember. And he's like, Bridget, hey, Bridget, Bridget, come out. And then he starts singing this really weird song. Like <laughs> He starts singing to himself <laughs> under the canoe. The canoe's like flipped over. And he's like in the space underneath it. And then he just starts like, like just singing to himself like a fucking idiot. He's like, hey, yo, baby. Hey, yo, baby. Hey, yo, baby. It's like this really weird, like out of context moment that doesn't logically make any sense. No. You think she's at the boat when you just saw her swim, swim away. Yeah, he's the oh, worst of the boys. He's the absolute worst. And then you know well we've already spoiled the big spoiler so right. you'll see kenny ends up a corpse with a snake crawling out of his mouth yeah in one of those amazing special effects where it's totally 100 yes. percent a believable dead corpse <laughs> and like and yeah it's like totally unexpected like you said you're you are waiting for it's like here we go here's the boot here's the the jiggle tv moment yep and then all of a sudden all of the boys strip nude 20 yeah. men all of a sudden are nude and just like running arms linked to jump in like a yaya sisterhood yeah. to jump in the fucking lake together and yeah. the the girls it is it's i mean there are, and then on top of it there are so many random sort of throwaway like gay jokes like there's a moment when they're when they're about to play softball and i don't remember who says it to him but ricky's like up to up to bat and one of the guys goes fuck a man ricky who says that? Who even says that? But you know what they never say, which for an 80s movie is almost a miracle? The F word. Never. Never said. They never uh, say it. I believe that Judy throws the uh, throws a queer at um, at Angela. She says, like, yeah. why don't you why don't you ever shower with the girls? What are you queer or something? You're queer or something. But that's the only time any sort of like sexual, like se- sexual, anything like about sexuality becoming like an insult right, ever happens in the movie. And yeah. it, there's like that, the F word, like kind of makes a lot of 80s movies age very poorly. Like we were, I watched like Monster Squad, I think recently. And I was just like, whoa, aggressive. Yeah aggressive with the f-word because they say it with really with a punch it's like a different time different time Mm -hmm. i don't remember that i don't remember that from my time but we uh i watched it and sort of purposely looked out for is there any sort of derogatory kind of behavior or Mm -hmm. like verbal abuse to anybody like to Angela or any of the other campers and there isn't the only time is when Judy asks her why she doesn't shower with them um yeah yes 
And but otherwise, <laughs> it's it's not it's not that kind of movie. Like they're not making it right about that. And if you think that we're going to talk about the gay undertones in this movie and not mention the the I don't even know how you would describe him. He's a like a an eighties like muscle head, like sort of what you would picture like a pair like in the Simpsons when they draw gay characters that are supposed to be like porny like they look like him I mean cloth shorts that are like that look like they have the lining come out of cut out of the inside I when I tell you that they're tiny they're inside his body he's he's their thongs and skin tight muscle shirts he's oiled yep and the whole movie he's just basically walking with his bulge towards the yeah. camera it's always panned at his crotch it's like it's crazy his name is ronnie in the movie i knew i had that's that's why i was looking up character names it's like well i know that we're going to discuss ronnie hey, um, i heard you hadn't eaten in three days are you feeling all right angela so here is something interesting let me tell tell me what you think about about my theory here please um when Angela, it's the first couple of days at camp. She she doesn't talk. All she does is just like stare really intensely mm-hmm. at everybody, very quietly. And she doesn't want to eat. Like she hasn't eaten anything. And the counselor who's in charge of her is this chick named Meg, mm-hmm. super bitchy. And she gets frustrated because Angela won't eat and isn't speaking. Mm-hmm. So she goes over to the buff counselor, Ronnie, and says like, what's wrong with this? She won't eat. She won't, she won't talk. Yeah. And Ronnie goes over and you think that he's going to go over there and make fun of her like because everybody's sort of starting to pick on her and he's so sweet to her he like mm-hmm. kneels down literally gets on her level yeah and says like oh are you okay like what's wrong you don't like the food why don't we go into the kitchen and see if we can find something that you like to eat now he did accidentally leave her with a pedophile yes but that's not what he intended his intentions were good and I thought how funny that somebody who is presenting like hyper masculine mm-hmm. feels this kind of unexplicable empathy towards somebody who's being forced to or who's been forced to present hyper feminine mm-hmm. and so are there and is he sort of feeling some sort of sympathy empathy that he can't quite understand because <laughs> in some other dimension in some other universe Ronnie is almost got the opposite problem where he maybe uh, started out as a very weak sort of kid that was made fun of for being nerdy or girly. Right. And he turned and he overcompensated by becoming this super buff, super powerful guy who has this authority figure, who's an authority figure at the camp. But he still feels this like sympathy towards Angela that he's protective of her because she's like the opposite side of the coin yeah that he's on i just thought it was yeah. interesting like he didn't pick on her he wasn't a dick to her and they don't have a lot of scenes together but in the couple times that they are together he's always like a little protective he literally walks hand in hand with her into the kitchen yeah he's yeah. like i mean yeah it's like every time that you think this movie is going to take a left it takes a right like every character that you think is supposed to be some specific way they're not like you would look at him and think like here he's gonna be the bully and the one that like is probably mean to the kids and he's probably gonna you know sexually assault some fucking girl right. at camp or something and it yeah he's like this total like 
sweetheart and he does like he literally does get down on her level and like walks with her holding her hand into the kitchen yeah I mean he I love him he's one of my favorite characters in the movie to be honest he he has really great dialogue too yeah yeah um and he's not a dick he's Mm -hmm. he's not a dick not just to Angela he seems to be like a really good guy yeah to everyone the the all the counselors all the campers he's he's just like a cool guy and that's not what you would normally get from that like beefcake in charge like second in command at the camp kind of guy he would in any other movie he'd be an asshole oh totally yeah yeah there's absolutely no reason that he's so nice and he's just like and in comparison to the actual like person like the guy that's in charge of the camp he's a complete dick and kind of doesn't care that kids keep dying he's like god damn it it's making us look horrible he's, the, um, he's got the mayor of in jaws disease yes oh my god where yes. he doesn't understand like the humanity of it he's all he's thinking about is like this is making us look real bad yes nothing, we're gonna lose all our counselors all our camps all our campers because i think after the first few deaths go by he can't they can't keep it under wraps and after like the third or fourth death uh parents start yanking their kids out of the camp yeah so at some point in the movie um they have to condense all the campers into just a couple of cabins because there there aren't that many left and that's one of the ways that like you know the shower is full so one of the girls has to go into one of the empty bunks um to go take a shower and that's where she ends up dying spoiler again I mean, I mean, spoilers are out the window. No, yeah, it's over with. I actually, speaking of the girl's deaths, I want to talk about Judy's death. Can we talk? You will never look at a curling iron the same way again. Okay. And I it's not like, explicit. It's, no. it's implied. Which is, again, I, I know I've said this already, but it's like one of the things that makes this movie so effective is like mm-hmm. they understood the budget that they had. I mean- for being a movie that literally costs like $10 to make, like I do think some of the special effects are really good. Like the the camp counts or the the chef, like his like bubbling skin. Yeah. That was yeah. amazing. And it always makes me feel really weird. And like you said, Judy's death is it's all just sort of like shadows, but it's, it's really all, yeah. effective. You don't see a lot of it. You only see the very beginning and the rest is literally all just shadow puppets. Right. Um, I have theories. Go for it. I have theories because like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, there is that moment right before she dies where she's like, hey, Angela, why don't you shower with the rest of the girls? You queer or something? Or maybe you hadn't hit puberty. Like she's like hitting her where she knows it hurts. Right. And there's just, look, I don't think it's coincidence that Angela chose to put a curling iron inside her vagina i'm sorry it's just she could have chosen any a million ways to kill her in that fucking room well and she was already she was already suffocating her with the pillow yeah exactly she already had the pillow over her head over her face and was already killing her and i think it just it was luck that the hot curling iron was within arm's reach yes and she added yes. insult to injury. I feel like it has to say something about the fact that for one thing, Judy is the most mm-hmm. sexually active girl in the movie. She's the only person in the movie who I think actually has sex. Or no, does she even? 
well it's implied that she's if not having full sex there's some some maybe under the shirt type of thing under the shirt under the pants type of things happening. right and they also um, make it a point at the beginning of the movie to say that she over the summer developed and now she's like a woman yeah, and and yeah. she has boobs and she's supposed to be one of the most like developed girls at camp now she's like the hot girl she's and it's like, like the saucy schroeder of that camp exactly yes all the girls want to be her all the boys want to be with her and let me hear let me see what you what your take on this because okay. dr boyfriend and i nah, we were on two different sides on this one okay he was wondering if we were supposed to get that angela was like lusting after uh judy right i said i'm a woman i've seen and i've had i've done that look on other women that's almost more like jealousy yeah and that's what what you said that judy's supposed to be the one who developed into a woman overnight or over the summer and it it's talked about mm-hmm. and in, you know like especially on a movie on such a shoestring budget you don't waste film exactly so they wouldn't have mentioned that if it wasn't going to be important later mm-hmm. so i think that angela mm-hmm. is looking at judy like almost upset like how is this so easy for you yeah like you're so, she's she's like the ideal of femininity to angela yes. and that's also why that curling iron was also like a you know extra fitting that she's angry that Angela like or the, Angela's rather is angry that being feminine it comes so easy to Judy mm-hmm. that she's gonna get her where it hurts like right yeah. in the femininity the most feminine part most feminine thing about her that we find out later Angela doesn't have right I agree with you and I know that there's a lot of people I've read theories on online that a lot of people think that it's that she's lusting mm-hmm. but I think it's I think it's longing longing yeah. to see her not to it's be not with like a her. single white female thing it's yes. like not yeah, yeah, yeah. sec like especially because if you think about when that happens in the movie at that point Angela has been groped and mm-hmm. freaked out because she you know is uncomfortable with her body and mm-hmm. she has this weird thing going on with this boy who like maybe she wants to go further with but she like physically can't right she's restricted by it where judy can just go get fucked by everybody and brag right. about it and they're all talking about her big giant boobs that are growing and all that stuff mm-hmm. and i think it's more of like a punishment yeah like a punishment for this is what you get for being the girl that i can't be yeah that you don't even know if angela wants to be because she's been forced to to be exactly. angela yeah and that was the other thing that we were discussing was, are they trying to even bring in Angela's sexual preferences or sexuality into it? But mm-hmm. did she freak out with the boy that was, you know, flirting with her that was kind of going to be like a camp romance with her yeah. because she was afraid of being discovered? Like her, she could only go so far and then her secret would be discovered. Right. Or was she freaked out that she had she was responding sexually to a boy Mm -hmm. yep 
or was she just not into the boy? Like that was kind of all the things we were saying, like it can only, it, it's gotta be one of three things. Either she's responding sexually to a boy and technically she is a boy. She's physically male presenting. Right. Just because she was raised to present as a female, mm-hmm. did that change her sexual preference? Right. Like, and I had said, I thought that it was more about being discovered. I do. I think so too. Before her sexuality, before her sexual preference, before anything, it's the secret. I think so too. And that comes like everything else is like hidden, hidden behind that secret. So like we, we haven't even gotten to that kind of in the blow pop of Angela's sexuality. (laughs) Yeah. We're just at the outset. We're still along the the candy coating. Like we're, we're still not, we're not there. We're not there yet. Well, I think that you're right because I, like you said, there's no reason to waste film Mm -hmm. and they do make it a point. It's honestly my favorite scene in the movie. They make it a point to show you that she does genuinely like him and she Mm -hmm. genuinely opens up to him. And he's the first person aside from Ricky that she even talks to at camp after like four days. She's spoken in like almost a week. He's the only person that she spoke to and there's just something about that scene where it just felt so genuine, like where she's like, good night. <laughs> it's so sweet. There, there, there's a scene during the day too, when like, I think she's doing vol- the volleyball, like they're playing, the girls are playing volleyball mm-hmm. and the boy that's kind of flirting with her comes by just to say hi to her. And her whole body lights up. Like she's yep. kind of moping on the bench because she's just watching them play volleyball because she doesn't want to play. And she sees him and her face lights up and her posture straightens up. And she's like, hi. Yes. And it's like, oh, honey, she's into that. Yeah, and she likes him. That might just be that it really was a young teenage girl maybe responding to feelings to a young teenage boy. Like they're not that good of actors. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just IRL, like she <laughs> liked him. But they kept it in the movie and that's mm-hmm. what they use. That's the take they used. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be that Angela really is at first may have, maybe it was a response to kindness mm-hmm. that she warmed up to him because he was nice to her, but you don't light up like that for someone who's just being nice to you. That's like right. a crush light. That's like, mm, yes. Like, yes. I like it. After yeah. that movie. Yes. It's that thing where you're like, Oh, you like him. Yeah. Oh, it is an Angela chase glow. Perfect sure. way to put it. Yeah. Perfect way to fucking describe it. I also want to talk about, because it's like, so there's the undertone queer stuff in the movie that you kind of have to squint your eyes at. And then there's the <laughs> surface level stuff that they choose to present in this, like, I wrote in my notes that they it's like Hitchcockian almost. It's like, they can't just say that, you know, they're, they're male lovers. So they have to show them in bed, like petting. And then they like do this, like, it's like this weird dream sequence, like way to present gayness. Yeah. It's really (laughs) weird. So they, they show like a weird flashback of Angela and Peter's dad with the other man that you see at the beginning of the movie and they make it very clear that they were partners they're right. lovers because they are literally in bed together petting, petting each other and there's no like you don't see any sex you don't really I don't even think I don't know if they kiss if they do it's just like very just like 
nose to nose nuzzles mm-hmm. um and then the two kids see them and like start doing the like hand over the mouth like tee hee 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 yeah and they don't I don't think it's supposed to be that they think it's weird it's just that's how kids would react to their parent like seeing their parents kiss right and it's just like ew, a little gross but a little yeah. kind of funny and then the kids are sitting on a bed facing each other the camera starts to go around like it, this bed it looks like the camera's spinning around the bed and the kids start to fade into each other like mm-hmm. angela's on the left uh peter's on the right and then all of a sudden in the next shot it's dissolved and they've switched positions and they keep switching back and forth back and forth and that's when they're like oh okay that's a yeah. pretty that's as as kind of bare as those clues got yes did that you was know, the most direct did you get like what did you think about that scene when you first saw it the the, the spinning I, black I background truly did not go to they switched places I yeah. really didn't I I think I, that was just not anywhere in my head I think I was so weirded out by the like petting you're right that was like what the fuck is happening it's still how it didn't occur to me then uh, it's just I think it's a testament to how good this bad movie is yeah that even when it clobbered you over the head with the like they switched places oh my god yeah 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 you still don't get it it's still it still wasn't clear to me I think I was so like wrapped up in the weirdness and Mm -hmm. so sort of like watching it like head cocked yeah you're just sort of on the ride at first yeah. you're just yeah. sort of on the ride and wherever and it when, takes you yeah. it takes you when you're on the ride it's hard to really get a feel for the whole thing you're just exactly you're only seeing what's right in front of you and even when what's right in front of you is presented as like the key to the whole plot of yep. the movie you don't see it you don't see it you're too close to it and you don't see it yeah and that's angela's dream right it's a dream, I think, yeah, that she has. And, and it's it's maybe how she rationalizes what happened to her. Like you're kind of seeing her try to make sense of it, mm-hmm. I guess. Because how on earth would you reconcile that? It's so dark. Yeah, it's really dark. And all of a sudden, like, well, it's at the end of the movie where with all those pieces that you have together with like, the serial mom who I said was full little Edie Grey Gardens energy. Very much, very much, very um, She should have been in like a leotard and like the American flag. But, yes. You know, um, it all starts to make sense. You're just like, oh, 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 they showed me that. They showed me this. Yep. They showed me A, B, C, D, and E, and I no idea yep. no idea that a dick was coming out and angela was really peter the whole time this whole time and there was uh with the deaths so almost all of them were um uh were like kind of water themed or water based mm, yeah 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 um judy's wasn't but judy's was almost personal right and then mel the camp owner, Mel, was convinced that her cousin Ricky was the murderer doing yeah. all this. So at one point he grabs Ricky in the woods and starts beating the shit out of Ricky. And you realize afterwards that Angela killed Mel. 
Yeah. So those only two deaths that weren't based like or weren't near or in the water. But those were the only two personal ones. The other yeah. ones were it was like circumstantial. People, yeah, were people that had fucked with <clears throat> her and everything. But like the um the pedophile cook uh gets the big gigantic pot of uh corn water right. dumped on him. For no reason, by the way. <laughs> All she did was push him forward towards a, a shelf that was steady. He's like, God damn it, you little shit. Take me by my, my fingertips and take me down off this chair. It's right. like, just <laughs> get like, down. Your two feet are fully on this chair <laughs> that's fully on the ground. Like it's it's not unsteady in the slightest. But, you know, we we'll, we suspend reality. Yeah. And he ends up pulling this huge pot of boiling water all over. Have him. you ever seen a bigger pot? in your life um okay troy i am of the mexican people and once a year i see a pot that big okay when we make tamales okay i was like this is a honey this, i shrunk this, the, the kids this pot. one was impressive we don't we <laughs> personally don't have one quite that big it was amazing it was three feet tall if it was an inch <laughs> absolutely it is the biggest pot you might ever see in your life but i mean I've seen some very close to that in, in reality. I also um, love that when you taste the, the lid off of it, it's like a witch's cauldron. It's like... Yeah, yeah. And it would and take hours to get it to boil, by the way. It would. No. Hours. I remember looking at it and going like, that's so inefficient. Yes. You're never going to get that corn boiled for lunch. Yo. No. That's never going to work. Um, <laughs> then there was Kenny, uh, who was singing by himself under a canoe. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, um, I, I, is he stabbed or drowned or, but whatever he is, his death happens in the water. Like he dies in the water. Right. I can't remember exactly what she, what they do to him, but, but he dies in the water. I don't think they show. I don't think they show it. Yeah, but he, you know, he ends up dead, but he died in the water. And by the way, yeah. he never, came, his canoe flipped over. He never came out of the water and his friends fucking walked away. I know. And called him a dick. I know. His friends are like, Fuck that guy, man. Because <laughs> like they're mad at him for not coming out of the water. Okay. If they just would have helped him, he wouldn't have died. But that's okay. That's fine. He sucked. So what difference does it make? Um, and then there was... There's uh, Bee's guy. The Bee's guy. Um, there's Meg who died in the mm-hmm. shower. Mm-hmm. And who somehow magically stayed upright against a flimsy shower curtain until Mel <laughs> came in and then she fell over. Yeah. Um, yeah, what the again, hell was that? Yeah, again, we won't sus- suspend <laughs> reality. Um, but then there's, um, I think his name is Paul, is the boy that was flirting with her. Yeah. Oh, and it happened on the beach, so near the water, but not on the water, or not in the water, but near the water. And this whole thing kicked off because her dad and Angela died in mm-hmm. the water. Yeah. But it's also like water and sexuality are mm-hmm. sort of mixed up, mixed in together because in the beginning of the movie, the dad and the kids end up in the water because kids suck and right. they went up behind the dad and like, boom, and like scared him and he fell into the water and it tipped over their boat and so they all fell in the water. But the reason they died is because two horny teenagers driving a ski boat. Yep. Uh, One with his balls out, the by boat. the way. Yeah. <laughs> boat and it ran them over like it, it rammed into their boat and that's what caused their death 
So like, it's like sex and water and mm -hmm. tragedy mm -hmm. or violence, maybe all tied up in Angela's head. And they, are they, were they trying to show that with like the, some of the deaths, it doesn't hold up completely because there were some deaths that weren't water related. But most but of them are. Most of them are. And it's the people who were mean to her specifically yeah, exactly. that were trying That's, to yeah. like abuse her were the people that suffered those fates. Right. Um, and then there was Mel who was going after her cousin who used to protect her or who always protected her. And then Judy, who that shit was just real personal. Right. Um, and then with her last guy, it doesn't show her murdering him, but um, they, they're they found on the beach and she, it looks like his head is in, like, he's like laying on her lap, in her lap. Oh, I and hate she's like, she's like stroking his hair and kind of like rocking and sort of singing. And then when she stands up, you realize that only his head rolls off her lap because yeah. she's cut his head off. She cut it off. I loved him so much too. He's my favorite. He was very sweet. And I wish they would have shown, like, did, I mean, I assume she just snapped or did Don't he uh, yeah. Sorry, see go ahead. the reveal? Oh, no, no. Like, did he see the reveal that she was a he, she was a boy? Right. And that he rejected her or he reacted like an, ooh, like not- Oh, I'm not. Oh, I didn't. I didn't like that. Yeah. It, oh God, it's like my friend. The first time she ever saw an uncircumcised penis, I and think she I'm was young. like, yeah, she yeah. was like not a teen. She was yeah. like in her like mid to late twenties, and she like, <laughs> hadn't seen one before. And the guy like didn't warn her because I mean it's truly not something you need to be warned about. It's yeah, you know, it's fine. Um, but when he pulled it out, it it was not hard so it it mm -hmm. had the like you know the turtleneck of it all yeah and she was trying to have the sexy moment and she did this like she recoiled in horror and then she like tried to recover really fast like oh oh no 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 this is yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i love it <laughs> he couldn't get hard he, yeah he well he get hard. <laughs> so is this the just like horror movie extreme where paul was just like ooh, right well, let's not all, let's also not forget the fact that she killed all those kids, which the little kids. Oh God, that's right. That's <laughs> like the dark. And I have heard the director say that it's his biggest regret. Like, even though the movie is like, he oh, really never change anything about it. And he loves all of the weirdness, but that's the one thing that he would take out. And I think they tried to take it out, but they couldn't. And he, yeah, like she murdered like what it had to be like what five or six like yeah like, like basically little babies those little fuckers did throw sand at her when exactly she was being dragged into the water <laughs> did i am not condoning children being murdered but in the spirit of this film yeah it's it's she, she only went after people who fucked with her exactly and there also is like there's these other, I know we've been kind of mentioning it, mentioning it in passing, but it's like, there are these other stories in the movie that any other movie would like, I don't know, focus on. But in this movie, they're just sort of throwaway moments. Like the fact that the chef is a pedophile and the movie opens with him talking about all the, the fresh, the fresh chicken and how- He calls him baldy. Baldies. And he's like, he's like, he says something like, um, or the, the the other chef goes, uh, what's his name's dad goes, 
they'll those kids are too young for you to even know what you're talking to know what you're talking about and he goes you're never too young like and he goes they're never too young you're just too old he's really creepy and he literally licks his lips when yeah. he sees young children. He's like biting on a piece of straw and like twirling it yeah. through his fingers. Like he's being really gross. And the movie, that's just sort of like a thing that's in the background of the movie that this guy, that the chef has been like raping kids. And, and everybody kind of knows. And it's Yeah, they all like, know. Well, I mean, he makes really great corn. It's very 80s. That's that's what um, we discussed when we were watching it because Dr. Boyfriend asked me, is pedophilia okay in the 80s? Like, and I said, I don't think it was okay. I think that this was like, I think it maybe was an attempt at very dark humor. Right, That exactly. just hasn't aged well. Exactly, that's what it was. Yeah. He's supposed to just be like the 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 creepy chef that like says stuff that's kind of creepy and and because the, since he's the first death there's not as much time to establish him as a villain like it's right. got to be real fast so he does something almost like he's got to be extra bad mm-hmm. for you to not feel so bad about him dying or being horribly disfigured yeah and then there's also that one of the what's the what's the other mean camp counselor's name is it meg is it meg, meg? That yeah. Meg is fucking the owner of the camp, yeah. this old man. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just sort of thrown in there where she's like, hey, like, you're gonna, like, what about that dinner you promised me the other night? And he's like, oh, okay. And he, she like is skipping to her camp to go shower to fuck this old cigar smoking man. Like, and it's just a little quick little moment of the movie where you're like, oh, okay like either oh. something got edited out or it's yeah. just like it didn't land like that it didn't make sense that like why is this like 16 year old girl into him right it's weird i mean i get daddy issues trust yeah but that's like that's granddaddy issues that's a yeah and like of all the the men at the camp to like yeah hook up with like what Ooh. it's just so oh it's so random um I guess the other thing that I wrote in my notes that I did want to talk about, or I wanted to ask you your thoughts on. So I know that I, I mentioned earlier that the mom sort of took her own, you know, she made her own sort of creative choices, we'll say, with uh, her acting and her character. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that she made herself wackadoo crazy because only a woman who's wackadoo crazy? Like, that was just in her mind, like, I have to be like this because she obviously is nuts for doing this to her, to this kid. I I think so, because kind of like with the cook in the beginning, she only has that one scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do show her again, like in a flashback later, but she's only got that couple minutes to establish her character. And you have to, like, the audience has to believe that this happened that that somebody forced this little boy to grow up presenting as a little girl right and the only way you can do that is to go full little lady yes like unhinged because who else would believe it and i guess that the idea is supposed to be that there's nobody else like no other adult there right because they don't mention ricky having a dad or they they don't you don't ever you don't ever see him at least right um 
so she only has that one chance to get you to believe that she could do that. That's what I think. Yeah. It was like, oh, she just went full tilt. Like the direct, if the director let her just like, all right, you run with this scene, you do what you're going to do. Quiet, understated mom, like wasn't going to cut it. I love that scene too. Cause it's like, like Ricky is looking at her. Like she's just like some batshit stranger. He's like, <laughs> um, geez, mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like he's kind of like you're t- a little uh, too much for me. <laughs> like he's like it, uncomfortable. He's very like Homer Simpson into the hedge. Yes, uh, gift. <laughs> it's just like all right. Look, I got to go to camp. Like, <laughs> and Angela's supposed to be doing her like like looking through you stare, but I feel like she's genuinely doing it. Like the actress is like I'm uncomfortable being in the same room as this woman right yeah. now yeah. <laughs> um one of my other favorite things about this movie and i don't know if you ever noticed it okay. as much as i did that mustache are you kidding i i look for it every time i'm like here we go that it's that one scene the the scene where he's it's it's close on his face and it is reflecting every light in America at one time. I called it a controversial yet brave close-up of the stash. (laughs) And again, this was filmed and meant to be shown like in a different era of technology. Yes. Yes. But even on a fuzzy black and white television, you would have clocked (laughs) mustache. So there's a cop and he, he doesn't have a big part at all he's just you know an extra sort of a well not an extra he has a very small part um in a the scene where kenny dies i think yeah so he's this cop who's supposed to be investigating you know the death and he just kind of says like well it looks like he drowned like most mm-hmm. around and he's a kind of a good looking younger cop with a thick early 80s early to mid 80s mustache yeah. very tom Selleck mustache vibes and then the director for some reason chose to do some reshoots like or to, to shoot some extra scenes which added absolutely nothing uh like the scene that i saw you can tell by the mustache which the seat what scenes were added afterwards totally it didn't seem to add very much not but at the all the actor had already shaved off the mustache because he'd wrapped and moved on with his life so he had shaved off the mustache and since he couldn't grow a new one right away instead of getting anything that resembled human hair they put an actual like lisa frank sticker yeah (laughs) on this man's face and had the audacity to have a close-up of it it's not hair it's not fur it's not texture it's a sticker of a mustache on his face it's like two 301 drag lashes it's like tracy mattel's lashes this on either side of his nose. Like, it looks insane. <laughs> it looks insane. And it's so, when I tell you it's shiny, I have to, like, look up a word that means it's more glossy. than shiny. It's literally, it like. high gloss <laughs> reflecting. You can see your own confused expression reflected <laughs> in the mustache. It is insane. It looks like Captain Planet is about to come out of his mustache. Like all the rings combined on his face. It's fucking nuts. And he's cute. He's really cute he is too. Cute. He's so cute. They should have. They did him so dirty with that mustache. <laughs> yeah. And it's like his legacy in the movie. 
yeah. it's his mustache how bad it is it's what everybody I knows sh- him for i should have looked him up to see like if he if he went on to keep acting or something i tried to look at <clears> some <throat> people and like i think like some of the main kids um still do like they they been in things and are still really well known yeah are good sports and like have kind of carved out this little sort of horror convention living yes. which sounds like a dream yeah, yeah i actually was gonna go to um there was a horror convention near me last year around this time obviously that was like very sleepaway camp heavy and angela mm-hmm. was there and she's like a real horror horror movie convention circuit gal like everybody knows that angela will be there and she just seems the actress seems so bubbly and sweet and like she's just got the biggest smile and she's just so like oh I want her to swaddle me so one day I have to meet Angela it'll happen I think it will <laughs> I have to meet her um I don't know I'm trying to think of anything else that I have that I, I really need to get off my chest about this movie I I just think that it ends up being surface level just a fun campy camp movie right but so much to, like still water campy waters run deep yes and i truly don't know if this is what was intended or not but it's almost better if it wasn't intended yep. because it's almost like the message and the layers came out regardless mm-hmm. of of how silly this movie maybe was intended to be or kind of how slapstick it got put together yeah but um like I told you before, Dr. Boyfriend works with um, the LGBT community and specifically with a lot of trans women uh, mm-hmm. at his work. And this was one of the things he said. He's like, I think we have to really like, he's like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I think people should really be asking, like, is this going to end up being almost like a criterion movie for like trans sexuality? And like, let's he's like you know let's try to think of another movie where something like this happened and it's really like the the closest you can get is the crying game it's true and like i told you like the crying game owes this movie like (laughs) lunch and drinks (laughs) because it's true i didn't know about this movie and you know and i when i first saw it i was like holy shit that's like a crying game i was like "Uh oh wait a minute no it's not the crying game is it's a like this. Camp. Exactly. Yeah. It's true. And it is a movie that that sticks with you, especially the few like the days after watching it for the first time. It really has this like lasting effect where like you just because it's like like you said, like you're you're thinking in your head, like, am I making things up about this movie or were they intentional? I think that's sort of everybody's takeaway. Like what in the movie is intentional and what isn't? And nobody really knows. And that's, I think one of the greatest things about it is like, we'll never really know. And it just leads people to think deeper and deeper and deeper about it. And yeah, it's just, it's shocking that this movie that sort of means nothing also means so much. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's, it's like a one in a million movie. Like, yeah, it, it's so bad. It ended up being so good mm-hmm. and then has all this depth to it that may or may not be, have been intended. Yeah. And maybe what the audience reads into it, but it's still there. It's, 
totally. you know, even, even if we're putting it there, it's still making people think this and it's still bringing those themes up. Um, I really hope that people who haven't watched it watch it in droves. It's, it's a really good, bad movie. And this is exactly when I want to watch horror. Like, this is exactly what I want to watch. Couldn't say it better myself. This is it. Like, this is like, this is the kind of horror that I want to watch all. I'm always yeah. looking for movies that are like similar to this too. I, I always find that I'm like, because if you think about it, if you think about the categories that this movie falls into, it's, I guess you could say that it's like a slasher movie. And it's like, sort of like the, the I, it's like the dream slasher movie. It's an 80s movie. It takes place at a camp, whatever. But it's also a, like a, a campy movie and it defines what camp is. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, because none of it's intentional. So it's like, it literally is the, the purest definition of camp. Yeah. And then on top of that, it it is like this cult movie and it also defines what it means to be a cult classic because to some people this is canon like to some people this is one of the greatest horror movies of all time yeah movie that you should see before you die and then to other people it's a shitty movie that sometimes pops up on amazon and the truth is it's both and it's both oh it's both it both can (laughs) exist at the same time i really do think it's probably one of my favorite if not my favorite horror movie agreed um it's it's not done well, not all of it ages well, but what was done well mm-hmm. is like top notch. And what has aged well, like, like you said, the, um, the cooks burned like that yeah. special effect because it's just a practical special effect. I think they said that they had him against a board that looked like the floor. So he was actually just tilted just a little bit and they had hoses running behind it. And that's how they made the skin bubble up. So it's all just practical effects that it's like, yeah, booze. This was like 1983. You ain't got yeah. no CGI. You can tell by Kenny's fake ass corpse. Like, there's no CGI. Yeah. Um, the absolute kind of blackest of black humor with the curling iron. I, mean, I know. It's so fucked up. And there are there have been some movies that I don't respond well to when there's like the kind of violence that's almost like picking on women. Like yeah. there's some scenes like Nightmare on Elm Street where like claw in the bath with the girl with her legs open. That's yeah. almost like a, I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a shocking moment, but like as a woman and someone with a vagina, I could do without it. I yeah. <laughs> that's like actually a fear I have to live with day to day. I got to walk around with that, exactly. that type yeah. of fear anyway. I don't need to see this in my escapism. Yeah. But a lot of horror, a lot of film is so male voice right. that on rewatch, when you watch this, you realize the spin that's on this. Again, whether it was intentional or not, mm-hmm. it's not that women aren't a part of this movie. Women very much are a part of this movie, but they're just not hypersexualized. And yeah. it's turned it on. It's the, the way that you're like the experience that you get watching this movie where you're sort of like tilted on your axis. It's the same thing. The, the plot worked the same way. It mm-hmm. took what was supposed to be like, this is the way camp movies go. The girls get naked, the boys get boners. And it kind of like, Whoop. yeah, nope. Like let's, let's turn it just a little bit. And 
that's that's probably why it feels a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. but your discomfort works with the experience of yeah. watching the movie and i don't know that i can name a lot of movies where that's done successfully totally agree and it's like again like did he mean to do it did he not i don't know but it's here we are like yeah. you know if this many people can't have this kind of reaction to something that where there isn't anything there yeah i mean it's like studied in like film classes yeah you know what i mean like people will i mean this movie's legacy will always be people trying to pick it apart and figure out all the things and like i think everybody who watches it thinks they like have pin have pinpointed the thing but it's like everybody's version of it is like kind of different yeah i mean i'll, I'll still have rewatches after rewatches of this because mm -hmm. there's still questions that's like well i know what my feelings are but yeah maybe on another watch i'll i'll find something that's like well you know what i used to think this and now i kind of think this yeah i had that even this time i mean i watched it today and i was like well maybe that means that or maybe the mom yeah. is that because of this you know like it yeah. was just like it's like a rubik's cube right oh so good it's so good it i i it's on amazon yeah you can probably also find you know youtube right yeah i, I recently watched pump up the volume start to finish on youtube in like four minute clips that some genius put together in a playlist that was seamless um i love pump up the volume it's like another good bad uh so 90s movie but that that's a tale for another time um, I feel like I should also say, since you brought up YouTube, that there's a really good, if you guys have seen this movie and it like means something, I know a lot of people listening to this, this movie means a lot to them. And there's a really good um, documentary on YouTube. Just if you just look up Sleepaway Camp documentary, it's the first one that pops up and the director's in it and Angela's in it and Ricky's in it and all of the kids are in it. And um, they just there's just like so many, I mean, as interesting as the movie itself is, like the making of the movie mm -hmm. is even more fascinating. And it's just like, I don't know, it just, that adds a whole nother layer to it. Like knowing all of the things that went on behind the scenes of making this movie and, you know, what it meant for these kids when it came out, like in their little Jersey town going to the movie theater. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's good. So if you guys love this movie, you should watch that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm really, I'm so happy that you did this with me. I'm so happy that this was the movie we landed on. I love it. It so, was like perfect timing. Uh, I I could do this like literally every day. Of my life. I, know, I know. I know. I love talking about movies and TV with you. We have to find uh, a, text me some, some other horror movies that you like, just like a list. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. Oh God. It's going to be horror movies. And spoiler alert, wedding venues. I haven't even told a lot of my friends yet. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm living fully Carrie Bradshaw. You are. I am going to be a mid 40s bride. First you time are. Bride. And I'm about my... to be a, like an internet version of what's his name? What's your friend's name? Uh, Stanford. Yeah, I'm going to be your internet Stanford. <laughs> With my pink mod cloth dress that yeah. like me and thousands of other gals have worn. That's fine. <laughs> I'm also, oh. by the way, I'm, I, I haven't even said this on the podcast, but like I'm incorporating thrillers into horror, into spooky season, because for me, that works. 
I think um, it works. Yeah. So if you, even if you have like a thriller that you'd like to do, like we could totally do that as well. Thrill chills. I would love. Yeah. Well, tell people where they can find you on your podcast and stuff. Um, so I co-host a podcast called the bottom Bible. Uh, it's kind of a funny take on like pop culture, sexuality, kind of relationship stuff, personal things that kind of, we run the gamut. Um, and we're the bottom Bible everywhere. Uh, Instagram, we never use it, but Twitter and um, on Apple uh, podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everything, everything. It's always the bottom Bible. And um, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. And I was in one. You guys should go listen to it. It was great. You absolutely should go listen to it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I love you. I'm so happy that we got you this. I missed, I missed recording with you. Oh, I love you too. Literally anytime. I'm going to text you my wedding venue ideas. Please. And um, thrill, chill, and horror picks. Please give me something to, to look at while I eat on my couch right now. Please. Oh. <laughs> All right, Vanessa, thank you. I'll see you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.